Uh, if you would, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And we'll begin reading with verse 9. And we'll read down through chapter 22 and verse 5. Revelation chapter 21, beginning with verse 9. Down through 22 and verse 5. Revelation 29, 21, excuse me, 21, verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And he had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which were the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof. A hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedonian, the fourth an emerald, the fifth saradonx, the sixth sardis, the seventh Chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysoprasus, the eleventh, jenkneth, and the twelfth, amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple thereon, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it for the glory of God and did lighten it and the Lamb of the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations unto it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse but the throne of God, and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. 
Father, we come before you thanking you for your many blessings and thank you for your word. Thank you that we can hold a copy of it, read from it, study from it, and hear it preached. Father, I do thank you for our pastor, and Lord, I pray that you will fill him with your power, with your spirit as he comes and preaches to us. And Lord, I just pray that you'll give him the wisdom and the guidance and the direction. And Lord, I just pray that you'll be with each and every one that's listening and help us to learn, accept what you have for each and every one of us, God. And I just pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you as a personal Savior, that today will be the day of salvation. And we thank you for all that you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Revelation chapter 21, I probably won't preach all of the message tonight because you've been doing some preaching for me. And uh, so let's uh, look at chapter number 21, and we began reading in verse number 9. And the Bible talks about a brand new city. You should have a worksheet in your bulletin. I think we probably have some extra ones if anybody, if you do not have one, if you'll wave at us, we'll get get one for you. Everybody's got one? All right. Looks like we're in good shape, guys. All right. Daniel needs one. Anybody else over here? Amy needs one. All right. Okay. Jessica needs one down here. Uh, Ken? Je Jessica needs one down this way. You got any more? All right. We got everybody? Jessica over here. The other Jessica needs one. We got any more? All right. Good. Okay. We're, we're all set, I think, guys. All right, verse 9, he says, There came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come up hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now this brand new city, this marvelous heavenly city, is seen here suspended in heaven with rays of glory that are shining down on earth. It's almost like the city of New Jerusalem was suspended over the old Jerusalem. And uh, that'll be an interesting thing to see. Its people have a great concern for what happens on earth during the thousand-year reign. This is during the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're taken back in this passage to the millennium, and it's, this is kind of a final parenthesis of the book of Revelation. In this description of the millennium, everything is seen in relation to the heavenly Jerusalem and in relation to the light that comes from that city. The first word from God in Genesis 1.1 says in the beginning God made the heaven and the earth. And so God in the very beginning brought earth and heaven together. And now here in this particular passage we find God bringing earth and heaven back together again. In Genesis sin entered into the, to the world and drove a wedge between earth and heaven. But when we get over to Revelation 21, now sin has been dealt with. And during the millennial reign, Satan is chained in the bottomless pit. And once again, heaven and earth are brought together in close harmony. So I want us to look at several things. We may not get past the first part. We'll see how our time goes. But first of all, let's look at John's first impressions. The first impressions he has about this holy city, the new Jerusalem. Notice with me the mystery of the heavenly city. In verses 9 and 10, he talks about that mystery. 
He says, he talks about the seven last plagues, and then he says, I will come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. This city is closely related to the bride. He says in verse 9, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And then he shows us the city in verse number 10. The city and its inhabitants are the same, much like the church and its people. We talk about the church, but the church is not really the building, is it? It's the people. And though this city is going to be a wonderful thing, an important part about it is the people. Because the people in the city are the bride. They're the, the bride of the Lamb. Twice the city is said to descend from heaven. The first time, back in verses 2 and 3, if you'll look back there with me in verse chapter 21, it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. What a wonderful thing that will be. It is a picture of the eternal state that we will have with God. In those verses, the city is seen as descending down from heaven. It is coming down towards what will then be the new earth, because the old earth will have been destroyed by fire, and God from that makes a new earth that will remain forever. And now here in verses 9 and 10, the city descends to the earth's neighborhood and hovers over the earth throughout that thousand years of the millennial reign of Christ. Now, there's nothing that is impossible about that literally taking place, about a literal city hovering over the earth and being located immediately over the city of Jerusalem. People have scoffed about that kind of an idea for years and years. But now, with our modern technology, we can put satellites into stationary orbit over any part of the globe. And man does things that are unbelievable a hundred years ago, God can do things that we can't even begin to imagine, but we're beginning to see how those types of things are possible. This new Jerusalem is brought by God from outer space, and he makes it hover over the city of Jerusalem. Direct communication is open between earth and heaven, between this new Jerusalem and the old Jerusalem. And there'll be much interaction between the two Jerusalems. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had communication with people in heaven now? Wouldn't you like to just be able to talk to your dad or your mom or your brother or your sister that's already in heaven? Well, at that time, there'll be a communication between the two. And the miraculous element is present, but it's no longer the kind of thing that man can scoff at and that man makes fun of, nor is it to be considered science fiction. This is not something way out. This is God telling us what he's going to do, and it's very, very real and very, very possible. So you see the mystery of the heavenly city. Then I want you to notice the majesty of this heavenly city. The majesty in verses 11 through 14. Verse number 11, he talks about how strange this city is. Look at verse number 11. It says, Having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. This is a city that glows with the light of its own. How many of you ever flown at nighttime 
and you were flying just high enough that you could look down out of the window of the plane and you could see all the lights of the cities below. And you can tell when you're out in rural areas and you can see off to the distance the lights of the city as they shine and the brightness that is there. And that's going to be kind of like what it'll be with the New Jerusalem. Folks will look up and they'll see the brightness of, the, of that new city and the light will come from within that city. And folks will look up from earth and they'll see there the, the flashing in the sky, a light much like a diamond, a giant diamond in the sky. So the strangeness of that city. And then also you see how secure that city is. In verses 12 and 13, he says of the city, it had a wall, a, a wall great and high, and had 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. In verse 13, it says on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. So there are 12 gates to the city, this new Jerusalem, three pointing in each direction, north and south and east and west. They are guided, each of those gates are guided by a mighty angel. In the Old Testament, one angel, one night, the Bible says, destroyed the host of Sennacherib's army. One angel wiped them out. And so... This new Jerusalem is going to have on north, south, east, and west three gates, so there's going to be three angels at each one at each of those gates. And the security of that city, guarded by these mighty angels that will protect it, they'll be able to keep anything, any forbidden power will be able to pass through those guarded gates. Nothing that's, that is not to be there will be able to come into it. It's going to be a very secure city. I know we talk about sometimes in certain parts of our country, people live in gated cities, right? This is going to be a gated city. By the way, heaven has gates and heaven has walls. Boy, we could do a good, uh, a good thing if our country would learn that, huh? If our government would learn that. We have some more security. So it's going to be a secure city. And then notice how strong this city is. Look at verse number 12. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations in them, and the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So there are mighty walls around this city that are anchored to twelve foundations. Now, Tony, you work on the crane and you put down those pilings and things and, and, and all of that is part of a foundation. These gates are going to have a foundation that supports the gates and supports the walls. And the names of the twelve apostles are going to be engraved on them. Now, here's an interesting thing is most foundations are under the ground, aren't they? But these are going to be seen. And they'll have the 12 names of the apostles there. It is a city that's rooted and grounded in truth. It is a strong city. It's a safe city. And God will protect those that are therein. Then look with me, if you will, at John's future impressions. What are his future impressions that he gives to us? John now takes a closer look and he gives us some second thoughts about the city. In verses 15 and 16, he tells us about the dimensions of this city. How big is this city going to be? Verse 15, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, and the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So if you have the length and the breadth and the height are equal, what do you get? A cube, right? 
four square, somebody said, you get a cube. There are some commentators who think this is a, par a pyramid. I don't know how they get that out of there. If you have the length and the breadth and the height the same, I don't see how you can get a pyramid out of that. But anyway, the Bible teaches us that it is, it is a, a square, a perfect cube, just like the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and in the temple in the Old Testament. It is 12,000 furlongs long, which is 1,500 miles square and high. Now, that's a pretty big place, isn't it? 1,500 miles. It is about three-quarters of the size of the United States of America. It would be something that would go from the East Coast all the way beyond the Mississippi River, and would go from the Canadian Gulf all the way down to the, or from the Canadian border all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. The God who can orbit a moon around the sun, and the God who can order the planets to circle the sun and so forth, can easily design a cube satellite and create it and launch it into the desired orbit that he would have it to have over the earth. So some of the dimensions, 1,500 cubic feet, cubic miles square. They tell us that you could take the entire population of the world, take all the people in the world, if you stood them shoulder to shoulder, you could fit them all inside the city limits of Jacksonville, Florida. Now Jacksonville is spread out, it's a big city. But we're told if you stood everybody shoulder to shoulder, you could put the entire population inside the city of Jacksonville, Florida. Now, can you imagine what you could do with 1,500 miles high and wide and deep? Amazing. There'll be plenty of room in heaven. Amen? There'll be plenty of room for everybody. And this particularly is the new Jerusalem that is suspended between heaven and earth. So then John gives us not only the dimensions, but he gives us some details about this city. He talks about the walls. He describes the walls in verses 17 and 18. He says he measured the wall, verse 17, 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. John, first of all, describes these walls. He describes them for us. These walls are about 216 feet tall. That's a pretty high wall, isn't it? 216 feet. This building right here, right in the peak of the building, I think is about, I want to say, well, the bottom of this speaker is about 18 or 19 feet up. So the peak there is probably a little bit more than that. It might be 20 feet to the peak of that. Now you can imagine a, a wall that is much higher than that, 206, not 20, but 216. That's 11 times that almost high. Pretty high wall. But, but it's interesting, that's kind of low compared to the height of the city. How high did we say the city was? 1,500 miles high. And the wall is 216 feet around it. So the city itself was measured by God. The measurements are vast and perfect. The wall was measured by man. It says according to the measure of a man in verse 17 and is therefore Nothing compared to the height of the wall of the height of the city. The wall of an ancient city was intended to, to defend the city. When they built the walls around Jerusalem, 
And if you go there, you'll see parts, a portion of the wall. It's called the Wailing Wall, where you can go. Most of the wall around Jerusalem has been destroyed. But those walls around the cities, remember the story of the walls around Jericho, and they marched around seven times and, and shouted and blew the trumpets, and the walls fell down. The, the walls around the city was for protection. However, this city isn't going to need protection. The walls around the city are not designed for protection. They're, they're designed for beauty. The Bible tells us that they're made of jasper. Some people think that's the same as a diamond. It is a hard, brilliant stone. The city itself is made of gold. It says it's clear as crystal. A precious metal, gold is. Usually in Scripture, gold symbolizes deity. It's a picture of God. The holy places in Israel's tabernacle and temple in the Old Testament, they, concerned, they contained furniture that was made of pure gold. In the temple, the entire surface of the Holy of Holies was overlaid by gold. In this heavenly city, it is the dwelling place of God. The gold represents deity. And so all of it is made of purest gold. It is clear as glass. Why is it clear as glass? Because it is constantly reflecting the glory of God. And so as we are there, we'll get to enjoy and get to see the glory of God. So John describes the walls. Then John describes the foundations in verse 19 and 20. He says in verse 19, The foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrasis, the eleventh adjacent, the twelfth an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the streets of the city were pure gold, as it were transparent glass. These stones represent the glory of God in a dozen different ways, in twelve different ways. We do not understand the meaning of them all now, but the redeemed in this heavenly city will appreciate the full significance of those stones and how they represent the glory of God. The overall impression when we see that city will be one of the wealth and the beauty that's beyond anything that this world can ever imagine and can know. In the early dawn of redemption story, the Bible talks about Abraham, the patriarch, and it says of Abraham that he turned his back on Ur of the Chaldees and he followed the leading of the Lord. And Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10 says, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This is the city that Abraham was looking for. He didn't find that city in the great city of Jericho. He didn't find it in Egypt where they had their giant pyramids and giant monuments. He didn't find the city of his dreams in all of his vast journeys on the earth. Jacob didn't find it in Syria, and Isaac didn't find it in Canaan. You have to read all the way through the 66 books of the Bible until you come to the closing chapters of the last book, and there it is. There's what Abraham was looking for. This city has 12 foundations, and each of them glow with the light of the stones that are sitting upon them that are most precious. And what a wonderful thing, what a beautiful thing it will be. Each separate foundation will have its own jewel, and the blending of the colors will be magnificent blend of God's light that shines for us. 
We can't really dogmatically say what each of those colors were because we're not sure what each of those stones are, but they're believed to represent certain things. Jasper was clear as crystal. Sapphire was a clear blue. Chalcedony is probably greenish blue. The emerald was a deep green. The sardonyx was like our onyx stone, white stone streaked with brown or red. Sardis is blood red. The chrysolite is yellow quartz like our topaz. The burial is sea green, they tell us. Topaz is a yellow green. Chrysophysis is a golden green. Jacinth is blue or violet. And amethyst is a rich purple. All of that, all of the different colors, just simply remind us that our God is a God of beauty and that he will lavish his beauty on this city that he is preparing for his people, for his bride. And then God, John describes the gates in verse 21. He says, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. Now, all of the other precious stones that are mentioned here are metals or stones. But the pearl is a gem that is formed from an oyster. It is the only one that's formed by living flesh. The humble oyster kind of reminds you of the sandpaper the ladies were talking about. The oyster receives an irritation or a wound. And around that offending article that, the, that has penetrated and hurt the oyster, the oyster builds a pearl. The pearl, we might say, is the answer of the oyster to what has injured it. This glorious city is God's answer in Christ to the wicked men who crucified his beloved son and brought him to an open shame. How like it is of our God to make the gates of this beautiful city out of pearls. And the saints, as they come and go, will forever be reminded as they pass those gates and enter into the city that the access into God's home is only available because of what Jesus suffered for us on the cross at Calvary. Think of the size of those gates. Think of the supernatural pearls from which they are made. What gigantic suffering they symbolize by the gates of pearl. And I believe throughout the endless ages of eternity, by those pearly gates, we'll be reminded of the immensity of the suffering that the Lord Jesus Christ went through for us. Those pearls hung eternally at the entrance of the, of the, of the, the, the city will remind us forever of the one who hung on a tree and whose answer to those who injured him was to invite them to share his home with them forever. What an amazing God we have. And he reminds us of that. And then John describes the streets in verse 21 again. He says the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every, one, every several gate was of per, one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold as it was transparent glass. All the walkways, the streets are of gold, which represents deity, which reflects the glory of God. Every step taken, every move we make in that new Jerusalem will be a step or a move along a path that brings us to and reminds us of the glory of God. That's not always true down here, is it? 
We're not always reminded of the glory of God. In fact, the very best of us wander at times off of the path and we get away from the glory of God. We wander on the paths of doubt and despair, but that will not be possible in glory because every step will be on gold that reminds us of God and of his glory. The streets are of transparent gold and we will walk forever on the highway of God's will and along the royal road of bringing pleasure to him and glory to his name. And then he gives us some distinctives about that city in verse 22. And I think we'll stop there and come back to the distinctives of the city the next time. But I think you begin to get from what we see a little bit tonight of the glory of what God has prepared for us. Amen? Eye hath not seen, nor ear hath heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. God has some wonderful things prepared for us. We used to sing the chorus, heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. But there's another song that reminds us of something else about heaven. And it says this. It says, tis heaven to me, where'er I may be, if he is there. What makes it heaven is going to be Jesus. What makes it heaven is that God will dwell with us and we will dwell with him. When you men who travel for work are gone for weeks at a time or days at a time and you come back home into your house, you don't come into your house and look around and say, oh, that's a beautiful sofa there. I sure like that. So this, this beautiful drapes that we have hanging up on the, on, the, on the windows and you don't talk about the house. You come in, you want to see your wife, right? And we get to heaven, we want to see our Savior. We're the bride and he's the groom. And what will make it heaven, as beautiful and wonderful of all that he talks about, what will make it heaven is Jesus will be there. And we'll see him and we'll see his glory in a magnificent way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son who suffered for us. And those pearly gates are your response to the injuries that man brought on your son. And you've invited us to come through those gates and spend eternity with you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your cleansing. Thank you for your salvation. And thank you for what you have prepared for us for all of eternity. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.